everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions, and joining me, as usual, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bonner. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I am, I don't know. I think my body is, like, adjusting to summer or something. I've had, like, a headache constantly. I don't know. I think it's barometric pressure. I'm, I That's what I'm telling myself. Okay. I sound like I'm selling, like, I sound like I'm selling, like, drops out of the trunk of my car or something. <laughs> but it's like, take my homeopathic remedy. But it's fine. It's I have, fine. The, have the cats caught a cicada yet? Um, no, but they are really, like, like, Hammer's been consistently, like, running into the, the balcony door, like, I don't know why he keeps doing this because the balcony door is still there, buddy. I love you. Um, but he just really, he wants to get that cicada like really badly. One fell on my head while I was out walking and I was like, well, I guess I'm never going outside again. I uh, I had one fall on me when I was in the hammock in the backyard and I like jumped out of the hammock screaming. And my husband like picked it up and like, like, like held it out at me like a little five-year-old. Like, like, a, like, oh my, I was I'm like, sorry, I was like, we're children. Get away from me. Oh my God. That is grounds for divorce. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, it's just they're like so I can't. Yeah. Oh, they're so large. They're just bigger than yeah. they should be. I don't. Yeah, Rob called them the cows of the bug world. I sort of feel like that's not that's not incorrect. No, that's pretty right. <laughs> anyway, um, I I will say I am tired of seeing the various pieces of their ripped apart and desiccated bodies all over my parking lot. Like, that can that can stop anytime. <laughs> All right, so uh, what are we talking about today? <laughs> cicadas. No, it's not really. I can't. I just really can't handle the cicadas. Um, what are we talking about? We, this is a, this is a, a show that I I am excited to do for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think it's actually a topic that people will find interesting slash useful in terms of understanding what they're watching, and also because it's our first show that we're doing that was literally like inspired by slash suggested by a listener. Yay! Um, so I'm gonna read. Yes, this is, if you too want to maybe uh, inspire future shows, we are at televisions at weta.org. Um, email I'm us. Read our e- I'm going to read this email first. And granted, we got this email several months ago and we're just now getting to it, but time is a flat circle. So this is an email from Minwa from San Diego. And she writes, I'm going to skip this lovely part where she tells us how great we are. Um as much as I enjoy reading it. But uh, I'm skipping down. She wrote, she wrote us a lot of things, but this is what we're going to, this is what we're going to get to get to. She says, I enjoy the now stream this series and I appreciate Annie's deep dive explanations into the production and distribution world. Ta-da. Uh, I did have a question. Perhaps you could explain in a future episode. Guess what? We are. Uh, there is Masterpiece, i.e. Sanditon. And then there's other PBS drama shows i.e. called the midwife, north and south, etc. Can you explain the difference between the British dramas on Masterpiece and other British dramas on PBS? My understanding, based on the Masterpiece Studio documentary series, is that Masterpiece has direct involvement in producing those shows and has a say in content and development of those shows. However, I wasn't sure if PBS has the same role in the non-Masterpiece shows. Along the same lines, recently the Danish drama Seaside Hotel showed up on my PBS passport. Does PBS have any involvement in producing dramas like Seaside Hotel or Call the Midwife? Does PBS simply buy the rights to air it in the U.S.? Uh, 
this is it. That's why we're going to do a whole episode on this because this is a complex topic and one that I think people don't actually, I, I mean, I don't think people actually know a lot about this. I certainly didn't before I actually started working at a PBS station. <laughs> so let's bring it down from the top, I think. This is this is something that like I sort of understood, but even I I did not truly grok this until I started working at WETA with Lacey, um, and that's that you know most um, prior to cable in the 1990s, um, the way you started a television station was to launch like you know a, a public access television station, and you could either have like you know a, a completely like free one that you did by yourself and you staffed all the programming and you know it was sort of a they were referred to as like public access stations back in the day Does any, if you remember the movie like uh uhf yeah um wayne's world was uh the 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 snl skit wayne's world that became a movie was supposed to be making fun of those kinds of shows that you found on public access um you could either do that and or you could do basically if there wasn't a, 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 a national network in your town, you could basically get the rights to a franchise to then either do one of the national networks. And when we say national networks, we mean the broadcast nets of NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox or PBS. Um, and basically, if you think of it, it's like, you know, you could open a restaurant and have it be like a restaurant that's um that that's, uh, you know, your own burgers or you could get a franchise franchise and like have you know five guys and like you'd still do delicious burgers either way but you have a sort of a built-in audience that knows it loves five guys and knows it will come to you so if you have like a public access station people might tune in but if you have an abc like people know that like you know if, if they turn on on thursday it's going to be gray's anatomy they know if they turn on in the morning it's going to be good morning america like it's it's guaranteed programming and you know a lot of people want to be successful and they found that doing franchises was the easy way to do it so that's how a lot of stations basically like spread across the nation um but pbs is a little different i i always try to explain it to people and i've had to tell my own family this and somebody actually had to tell me this when i applied to work here and it's you tend to think about network tv you tend to think about it like an nbc or an abc and it's very like i'm making a hand gesture no one can see it's very top down that there is a central, you know, a central network hub that distributes programming to the local affiliates. And that's because of commercials, because advertisers want to know that if they're putting their advertisement on an ABC network or an ABC franchise, that the same programming will be seen no matter what market it's in. Exactly. And since PBS is brought to us by viewers like sponsors you. and and loyal viewers like you, uh, we do not operate that way. PBS is a very bottom-up system. The PBS system, and I keep saying system because PBS is not a network in the way that in the way that people traditionally understand networks. There are, and I really should have looked up this number or probably should know it since this is literally my job. There are X number of member stations throughout the country. WETA is a local PBS station. Um, and and there are a handful, most local stations are fairly small and and don't necessarily participate in producing and I'm going to say uploading content to the system at large because it's just sort of easier to kind of mentally think about it that way. Uh, our station here at WETA, we produce uh, the PBS NewsHour, we produce Washington Week, we 
are the producing station for Ken Burns films. But if you look at um, NET, which is the New York station, you, they do Nature and Nova and uh, Great Performances, which yeah. is like a natural fit for them because they're in New York. You're right. And honestly, like it, it, PBS NewsHour and uh, Washington Week are perfect fits for WETA because we're based in D.C. And so, you know, it's a very political town. So what do they want to watch? They want to watch the political news. Well, and it's just easier for us to sort of like be the people who make those shows because like the the stuff that the stuff like I mean Congress is in our backyard. Yeah, but so it's also it's these shows easy, like these shows started as our local programs that then became national programs because they were popular. Like Mr. Rogers is a perfect example. It started on um, the PB- Pittsburgh's PBS station and it became so popular it became a national program. But it, so it was produced by Pittsburgh's PBS station um, for as long as it ran. And I believe Daniel Tiger's neighborhood is is also produced by them. No, Daniel Tiger is actually us. Oh, is it? I didn't um, know that. Yes, it this is. This is proving I do not have children. <laughs> But we work, uh, we work in concert with Fred Rogers Productions ah, okay. to do Daniel Tiger, and um, and and in a lot of ways, like it, it, Annie's a little incorrect that like it had to become popular in a local market to go national. That's not really the case anymore. That may have been fifty years ago when the system started, but now basically, you're, you know, if we're if we're looking at at GBH, who does GBH is the producing station in Boston, they handle Masterpiece. So like the things that are coming out of those umbrellas are already earmarked to be national shows. Like everything that comes out of Masterpiece is a national project. And that's why it has a designated day and date. Yeah, Aaron. but I, I, I think didn't Masterpiece sort of have to become popular before PBS created it as a national thing in like the early 70s? Wasn't it? Or uh, am, I, am I wrong about that? Uh, that is a great question okay. to which I will turn to Wikipedia momentarily, <laughs> but I don't, I don't, I don't know okay. off no, the top fair. of my head. Um, maybe we'll have to do a follow up episode on this. You know, because I've always thought I've always thought of Masterpiece and says, you know, one of the things we don't think about a lot is how a, a network is sort of branded when it first launches. Um, and you know, that's partly because when television launched, it was sort of radio turning itself into television. NBC was a radio station. Um, ABC was technically an NBC radio station that rebranded itself as a new network. That's how come they're both BC. Um, CBS was a radio station that became a television station in that same way so they didn't have to sort of brand themselves in that way but like pbs fox um the cw the 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 stations that basically launched after television became ubiquitous all launched with like a certain sort of set of programs that sort of defined who they were and for pbs that's masterpiece to me is that the sort of the show that 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 defined what pbs was in the minds of viewers um, in the way that I would say Buffy was the show that defined what the CW was in the minds of viewers. Um, yeah. Anyway, when that's a whole... We could dig into the history of Masterpiece <laughs> like for a long time. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, I'm going to just say that I don't know. Okay, that's fine. And keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Because the thing, the thing to note about the rise of of sort of these like designated things like masterpiece, like nature, like Nova is what is, this is very inside baseball, but it's the national schedule, which is the shows that you see on your PBS station, no matter where in the country you are watching PBS. And granted, we do always say, check your local listings because that can change, but nine times out of 10, it doesn't. And nature Nova on Wednesdays, uh, American experience is usually on Tuesdays. Masterpieces on Sundays. Uh, I would I would say actually a really good example for me would be um, uh, Antiques Roadshow, which is on Mondays. 
Um, but mm. uh, MPT, the Maryland Public Television Station, has its own version of Antiques Roadshow, which is called Chesapeake Collectibles. And it does Chesapeake Collectibles before it airs uh, Antiques Roadshow. And it's because it, 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 it's, it's, it's semi-following the national schedule, but it's bumping things so that it's, uh, its own local version goes first, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That does happen depending on the market you're in. And there are certain nights where that is more likely to happen simply because uh, the national schedule is more flexible on some nights than others. Uh, For example, Sunday nights are Sunday nights. And you will almost never see masterpiece not air at 9 p.m on sunday but there are some channels that don't follow that um uh, one of the the we have three pbs stations here in dc and the third one w- truly an embarrassment embarrassment of riches the third one whut which is howard university's public television station um which is a uh, completely uh, focused on you know the black experience and programming for the black community here in dc it actually doesn't run masterpiece at 9 p.m on sundays it runs it on tuesdays which is apparently the alter it's like apparently the alternative day for a masterpiece to run if you um, don't run it on Sundays or something. But like, there's really like a whole long thing I could go into about this <laughs> about the category of station that WHUT is, but I won't because it's not relevant to the question. I'm going to try to like keep us on track to this question that's of okay. what no, are no, the no, shows no, that fine. are not masterpiece shows. Um, <laughs> Please keep me on but track. <laughs> but the answer, the answer to that is that there are certain certain like levels of stations that are allowed to do different things. But if you are like a major market station that it, that ticks these certain boxes you generally have to follow certain rules it's part of like the agreement that stations enter into to be part of the system blah 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 anyway but the national schedule is flexible on a couple of days built in and flexible on certain national schedule days i'm making air quotes like based on sort of the category of the day or the category of program that's airing on that day the days you will most often see differences between stations across the system are Thursday nights and Saturdays. And those tend to be just sort of based on whatever the local station thinks that their their particular market is most interested in seeing. We have something called Thriller Thursdays, which is basically just more British mysteries because our audience loves British mystery. And and because that's kind of a historical thing too, because um before Masterpiece and Mystery sort of combined Masterpiece Theater and Mystery combined into one thing and became quote unquote masterpiece, um, mystery aired on Thursday nights. And so there's sort of a tradition um on on PBS stations. Yeah. yeah. Before we re- before we started calling Thriller Thursdays, Thriller Thursdays, it was uh the WETA mystery mm-hmm. and it was basically classical cla- classical classic Sherlock Jeremy Holmes with Jeremy Brett on Thursday. So it's a long tradition for our audience as well. Saturdays tend to be a lot um, sort of a hodgepodge of various things for for various different stations. Like Thursdays, traditionally, a lot of places do air various mystery or other British programming content. Saturday is kind of like a free-for-all. For us personally, we've, we're doing a thing called American History Night where we have been airing a lot of Ken Burns and a lot of documentaries and sort of educational stuff, especially during the pandemic, like while people have been trying to, you know, teach their kids at home. But those are, those are where you usually find a lot of, a lot of movies, a lot of other, um, I know at one point we had Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries there, like a lot of other non-PBS branded programming in those slots. And that is a really wide ranging discussion of like what is not masterpiece, but is still British. Yeah. And the thing that the thing is, is that we uh, 
the P- PBS the PBS system gets a lot of its programming from the stations in the system who either specifically create the content themselves or actively under an umbrella like a masterpiece or a nova works to like license that programming to air under that specific umbrella yeah um but when we don't have that there are other there are other ways to get content and a lot of it involves licensing deals there is an organization called american public television who does a lot of licensing of other programmings um of other programmings my language today <laughs> of, uh, it does it licenses a lot of other shows of a similar like pbs flavor like midsummer murders comes through apt uh vera comes through apt like they they just have access to other to, to licenses for other programs and a lot of stations we do this to work with them to acquire stuff like that. Okay. And I think, I think this sort of brings us into, um, so the question is, you know, what's the difference between, what's the difference between masterpiece and everybody and, and all the other not masterpiece British programmings. And the thing is, is the answer is actually there isn't in some way. It's just who licensed them first, who jumped in first, who decided to get in and, and, and put in the money for a co-pro first. You know, one of the things that, 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 that are sometimes And sometimes, I will say this really quick before we get into the details of licensing. But when you ask about something specifically like North and South, that's just a post-air licensing deal. Because North and South is, you know, gosh, a, a de- 15 years At least. old now? Yeah, 2004. Um, yeah. I don't know. I still think the 90s were 10 years ago, so <laughs> don't judge me. And... Like the, that's just that's just a straight up like we don't have any involvement with like making the show, but you have to have licenses to air it on your station or to put it online or both of those things. Yeah. So a lot of this stuff is just like American public television, for example, doesn't have anything to do with making Midsummer Murders, but they do broker the deals to air it here in America. And this is like a lot of inside baseball, but this is what's in my email box. Every day. <laughs> so, okay. So if we think of British television as basically being forced to uh, someone like a, like the BBC has basically been forced to function under austerity for now, like um, for about a decade. Okay. That means they don't have a lot of money to create programming. They need partners and they don't mind partnering with whoever it is who wants to come in and is the highest bidder. So that's how come we get British programming across all different streamers, anyone who wants to jump in. And like, so Netflix will like co-pro with Bodyguard, um, HBO Max co-pros with uh, the great, uh, the, the great pottery throwdown. Um, and, and with Netflix, you know, you, and, and basically with those, they get the right to actually call themselves like, you know, they get to call it an exclusive to their streaming service as sort of a way of, of claiming ownership over here. Um, now, PBS, Masterpiece, um, APT, all of these, these are also, they're just looking for programming. Like, Masterpiece has, you know, you know, a, what, 50-odd 50, 50 Sundays a year to fill? It needs, you know, X amount of programs to cover. Like, it doesn't need to fill, like, 52 because there's a, we have pledge months and so forth where there is no Masterpiece programming. I think that happens, like, three times a year. Um, but, you know, they have to get a certain amount of programming every year and they need to sort of lock it in. So, you know, there's some things that are, like, legacy programming that they locked in a long time ago. Like, Endeavor is, you know, locked in because before they did Lois and before that they did Morris and there's a long partnership there. Um, but then there's newer stuff. Stuff where like you know they jump in and they uh, partner with you know uh, 
Danish and Swedish public television to do Atlantic Crossing. Now, your question, the question here was whether or not Masterpiece gets to, you know, how much Masterpiece gets to control or contribute. The fact of the matter is, is that it sort of depends on the program and when they get into the show. Um, So very, very recently. That's actually that's actually a really important point, because a lot of times co-production is just code for money. Yes. Um, Which is which is good and necessary like somebody has to to you know the they're these these productions have you know really high production values they're mm-hmm. not cheap to make and and sometimes that's all that's that's all that's um i don't want to say available but i kind of mean available like the show is pretty much like a like like they know like it's fully formed kind of and they just need somebody to help them like get it to air uh, one one thing i would uh i would uh, an example i would use is vandervalk vandervalk was completely produced the episodes were finished they then went to what is literally a a showcase to show programming off to producers like netflix to hbo max to masterpiece etc cetera, etc cetera, looking for um americans yeah, it's, like the scholastic, it's like the scholastic book fair for tv basically and they go and they show the episodes <laughs> the episodes were done like masterpiece had literally literally had no input on season one of vandervalk it was all finished and they came in and they and they the the way the trades would have called it they quote-unquote boarded the project um contributed um <laughs> a, a, a a set amount of money that basically offset the costs of making the show and boom last september we got vandervalk and that's that that's how uh, there's a lot of that that goes on that but you know then there's some things where like uh, uh, Downton Abbey is a perfect example of the kind of show where masterpiece got really in with it but it was never under their control quite that way and it never they they, they didn't I, they, they wouldn't have wanted it to be i think like that's not a thing I, I I'm 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 struggling for the words that I want here. Um that you don't want Masterpiece to come in and tell people, no, we want the show to do this, we want the show to go this direction, and we don't want that kind of storyline. Like you don't want producers to come in and do that. Like you don't. Um, because that's that that's when shows have problems. Like you do want like an editing eye. When we discussed the Nevers, one of the things we discussed was the fact that you know it desperately needed like some of the people to sort of poke Joss Whedon and say, "Hey, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Could we maybe streamline some of this?" Um, but at the same time, like it, so having that is isn't bad. But having someone who actually comes in and like can help control the direction—that's not a thing you really ever want, and that's not a thing that pr- that that a company like Master masterpiece wants to do if that makes sense mm-hmm. i will be interested to see how this plays out with sanditon because mm. i do feel like masterpiece was really um very involved in bringing that show back uh so i will be interested to see how much kind of influence they have on the actual show itself going forward i'm throwing that out there completely blindly don't send me emails about it i have no idea but i am i'm curious because i know that there was a lot of behind the scenes shuffling with that show and i know they brought on britbox uk and masterpiece is still there and i know that itv is going to air it but i don't think itv is like necessarily like 
making it anymore. So I don't know. The back and forth of this stuff is so confusing sometimes. Like even for me and it's my job. Yeah. Like to something like ITV, like they canceled Sanditon. They don't want to admit that they're bringing back Sanditon. And in a way, by putting it through BritBox, which they partially own, it's like they're doing it, but they're doing it through a puppet or they're doing it through a a, 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 a shell. And so that is not actually on the... If, if season two of Sanditon completely fails, it's not their red ink does that make sense Mm. yeah yeah the other thing that um i mean uh, to to annie's point from before a lot of these questions are just stations trying to fill hours that they need to put programming in and they want to put things in that people will watch remember that tv tv has to go 24 7 365 in a way that when we were children they did not actually have to do like pbs went off the air at like 11 o'clock when i was a kid I know, isn't that weird? Right. There's like generations of people who don't remember that noise of like when the when the channel went off the air at night. Yeah. Ugh, I'm so old. <laughs> um, um, before I before I get mired down in my own mortality, um, back to back to sort of the programming that there is. So PBS could never make that much programming on its own, especially like art station WETA has an entire sub channel that's dedicated to British programming. We call it WETA UK and it airs British stuff around the clock. But there even like even if we wanted to, there's not enough new stuff to put that we have access to to put on that channel. So that's where we go to other other organizations like American Public Television. There are arms of the BBC and ITV and all the major British networks that um the BBC, for example, calls it like BBC Worldwide or something. Yeah, because that that's, their com- that's their commercial arm because they technically are by law not allowed to make those deals. So they had to physically make a commercial arm and name it something else. So they literally take like, you know, like uh, I'm trying to just think of something random, like the Bleak House with Gillian Anderson. That was BBC. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we just had that recently. And like they will literally take their older stuff and come to PBS stations and negotiate sort of bulk deals to be like here is a bunch of British British programming it may not it probably will not be the most new the most buzzy the most cutting edge stuff it'll be a little bit older like like a north and south Mm -hmm. um but they will make it available to license to PBS stations. And some of those shows were once considered masterpiece shows like um, Downton Abbey just showed up on Netflix um, this month um it was it was one of netflix's biggest big gets for june is that they got all six seasons of downton abbey um you know netflix basically went and got the second run right to stream uh downton abbey which is you know so like if downton abbey popped up as like one of the shows that was sort of airing on weta uk you know you're it's not it it even though it, it was a branded a masterpiece show, it is considered a masterpiece show when it's second run rights on a, a digital offshoot like WETA UK. It's not airing under that banner, if that makes any sense. I think sometimes it might be. I'm not sure. That gets real confusing. Like, and like, cause I'm like, I think sometimes it might be. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, But it, it's, it's really like, if it's this hard, look, like basically what I'm saying is this, if you are confused about, sort of all the categorizing and whys and wherefores of this stuff know that this is my job and i am also confused by this on a regular basis and i try to slog through it as best i can but like it's it's very complicated okay 
And then we get to this other stuff, which is in the past couple of years, PBS has started licensing. Uh, it it I think it started as um, kind of an avenue for more content for PBS Passport, but has migrated into into uh, I'm talking about the Walter's Choice dramas that that um, that meanwhile reference because Seaside Hotel I think is one of those. Yes, it is. Or at least it's adjacent to those. No, no, no. Seaside Hotel is absolutely a Walter's Choice program. They're they're foreign they're foreign programming and what happens is that like with, I think they were originally licensed to Passport but I don't be surprised if they're on your dial at some point a couple of months after they've been available on Passport because that's another level of licensing deal like online only and then you can air it on terrestrial TV. Yeah. Um. So I I said this I've said this before about streaming services they are a gaping maw that needs to just be fed all the time with programming and PBS Passport discovered that it needed that basically every streaming service discovers it needs that basically once it launches like you know within a few weeks they're like oh crap we need more programming um and you know netflix i mean netflix literally debuts 60 new shows a month because it needs so much programming um walter's choice um let's let 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 walter uh oh gosh things i learned this week walter is a real person he is um <laughs> i thought it was just like a name you you utlo you you walter utzelino there we go i've said it um and now i'm just gonna call him walter from he, now yeah, on he's I, just i'm walter. sorry for not being not having a good italian accent to say his last name well also his his brand is walter's choice yeah. so clearly he's okay with going by just walter yeah he's probably used to americans like me completely ruining his name anyway so walter basically was uh he he was a person who used to work for british television um doing like a lot of reality shows and, and he was like an executive producer and so forth and one day he decided that he was done with doing that and he quit his job and he and a couple of his a uh, couple of people who he'd been more Working with basically got together and created what is known across the pond as Walter Presents. And Walter Presents is done in conjunction with Channel 4. And it's a little bit like a masterpiece for British television. So if if if, if Masterpiece brings over British television for American audiences, Walter Presents brings over uh, European television for British audiences. And it brings it over in the original languages and there's an entire like there's an entire like set of Polish dramas and Scandinavian dramas and French dramas and Italian dramas and they're all in the original language with subtitles. And basically this became a mass hit for Channel 4. Like it was massively popular in the same way that masterpiece is very popular over here um and so basically what walter then did was decide to go and actually make himself a streaming service which is called walter presents and you can actually subscribe to the walter presents streaming service via amazon or via roku it's not like you can't you can't subscribe to it directly like you can say acorn or britbox but it's sort of a sub channel on amazon prime or if you have a roku it's sort of a sub channel you can uh, subscribe to via roku um and uh, I, so P- 
PBS then also got in with Walter to make them basically a sort of a an Americanized version of Walter Presents, which was dubbed Walter's Choice. And some of the programs that Walter's Choice brings over to us are the same as the ones that you get on Walter Presents over overseas. And some of them are completely different. Um, and Seaside Hotel is one of those programs. Um, there's also Modus, that's a, a kind of a dark Norwegian thriller from Swedish television. Um, there it, appear to be several that are about Nazis. Like um, Line of Separation is about Nazis, I think. And there's one about a town, a town trying to fight back against Nazis. I don't know. This is really very much not my lane. Vienna Blood was actually originally a Walter's Choice program that then got moved. I, I don't know if I don't know exactly how this happened. I don't know if it was basically just pushed to uh uh, PBS linear or if like or if American Public Television got involved oh, but interesting I'm not sure why that I just assumed that all the Walter's Choice shows were uh, foreign language um, but that's because the majority of them are that that is that is a correct assumption on your part that the it, 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 most likely if you turn on your PBS station and you find yourself watching a European hour long drama that's dark and atmospheric and might have something to do with Nazis or deep dark mysteries or, or psychological <laughs> thrillers you most likely have stumbled on a Walter's Choice program. Um, Vienna Blood is one of the few that actually was a an, an English uh, English language version. Um, so yeah, I. Um, the thing about Walter's Choice is that you sort of have to think of it as like a different version of Masterpiece. Like that's all it is. It's just Wal- Walter's Choice is just the, the the umbrella title of it. The way Masterpiece Theater was the umbrella title. It's is is it safe to sort of just assume that it's just another word for curation? Yes, basically. Because that's at, at its heart, that's what Masterpiece is. Like, yeah, it's an anthology show. Masterpiece was originally like sort of curating the best in British drama. Uh, or, or rather, that's what I think they would say today. They are curating the best in British drama and bringing it to us because there's so much British drama. You say this all the time that like we don't see the crappy stuff. Yeah. So we just get all the good stuff. Back in the day, Masterpiece used to literally like the rule was it was supposed to be based on a book. That's why like Masterpiece Classic is is was sort of branded the way it was, that it was like a literary, you know, that's why you get so many Pride and Prejudices. Mm-hmm. Clearly, we've moved away from that in the in the in the uh, many years that Masterpiece has been with us. But... Um, no, that, that, uh, that that's what, why Downton Abbey was... I, I remember when Downton Abbey first launched, uh, someone said to me that this wouldn't have ever been a, a Masterpiece show under the old rules. And I, 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 at the time, I didn't actually know what that meant. But you know what? If it was all supposed to be based on a book, then something that makes sense. Or or like a classic, like a classic... Yeah. Thing, or I don't know, probably like an opera would have been fine. Like a classic sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad we've moved away from that. I only need to see so many like book adaptations a year. Um, and Netflix does say? so many. The of Walter's them. Cho- <laughs> the Walter's Choice thing we should talk about is a show called Professor T. And okay, and that brings us to the third thing about Walter's Choice. Walter Walter started this Walter Presents thing, which then became a streaming service, which then began. Uh, and then he made Walter's Choice, which gives programming to PBS Passport and which also then comes to PBS Linear. He has also then created with his partners their own production company, which remakes these foreign language shows in English for British and American audiences. And the first one we're going to get of that set is Professor T. Professor T was a popular Danish show that 
that aired on Walter Presents and is now going and is now currently airing on Walter's Choice. Yes, season season three of the Belgian version just arrived on PBS Passport this month. Um, The interesting thing about that, the the most succinct way I've heard people describe the show is that it's basically like monk in a foreign language, (laughs) but he's a detective. Yeah, it's, it's because he's. I, I think that the characters are apparently very similar. Like he's also kind of OCD and and not great with other people. Um, my mother in law loves Professor T, so it is really like, despite the fact that it is not in English, that it is really. Uh, so I'm told quite dark. Um, it 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 has captured enough people's kind of imaginations that the next step is here, and that is. The UK um, has sh- that they have shot an English language remake for the UK, which will then come to us this coming summer. Also, I should note that there um, there's also a German version that's uh, I believe is also uh, produced by the Walters Choice people, though I don't actually know that for sure. Um, I just know that there is a German language version because every so often I run into it and get real confused because it was confusing enough that there were already two versions. <laughs> um, still. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but people will be interested in if you haven't wa- even if you haven't watched the the Walter's Choice version of Professor T, uh, Death in Paradise's Ben Miller is starring in this in this English language remake. So I suspect a lot of people will want to check it out because of that fact. Yeah, and honestly, like I do think that you know even though it's it, it's very it's a very recent thing, and you know Masterpiece has kind of the weight of of fifty years of history behind it. This being this year is actually its fiftieth anniversary, and I'm, I'm sure you've seen the little Masterpiece commercials, some of them which I absolutely love. Um, uh, the I saw they posted a video on their social. I'm sorry that it was about like Rufus Sewell through the years, and I was just like. <laughs> I made a noise out loud. I'm sorry. That man has aged like a fine wine. Um, Hashtag I love you, Rufus. Call me. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, like, so, you know, Masterpiece might have the weight of history behind it, but Walter's Choice is a perfectly legit, like, and honestly, you know, one of the things I, as as was stated so succinctly um, when, uh, when, uh, um, uh, when Parasite won the Oscars, we need to get over the bigotry of the one inch uh, of of the one inch subtitle. Um, I think that for PBS viewers, Walter's Choice is a great way. If you are someone who has just sort of said, "No, I really, I, I subtitles, eh, no, really," like just give give Walter's Choice programs a try because he really does like you know, especially if you're a mystery buff like me or like a you're, like I, like I said, my mother in law loves it and she watches all of that stuff like Shakespeare and Hathaway and uh, what else does she, she loves? Um, oh shoot. I don't think she liked Vanderbilt. What was the other really recent one she loved? Anyway, my mom, my mother-in-law is the the target audience for this, and she loves it. And she yeah. loved the the Belgian one, so I think that she will yeah. very much enjoy this new this new one. Yeah, and honestly, like I I, I think like um so Seaside Hotel, by the way, um for those who have not checked it out, it, it it's got a little bit of the Downton Abbey thing to it in that it's got a kind of an upstairs downstairs thing. The maids have their own sort of uh uh, uh storylines. The, the 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 owners of the hotel have their storylines. The guests have their storylines, kind of thing. But it, it's actually it's it's quite light and it's 1920s and 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 if you are 
are a, if you are a prop porn person who loved like the sets and the and and the and the and the old and the old uh, technology being recreated on Downton Abbey, you will love uh, the the technology in the Seaside Hotel. Um, I just <laughs> like I know, like I just I, it, it, seriously like there are just times when I turn it on, I'm like oh because like there's just a perfect I d- wig. Like I, there's just I will yeah. I will oh my god you and your wigs. Um, I will admit that out of all of it, normally I'm not a super into into the well mostly it's that the wall street choice shows are almost always never in my lane as a viewer right like they're mine also because i actually really love things with subtitles but i have to like really focus on it you know and i have to like have an hour to actually watch it and pay attention to it which is difficult these days but seaside hotel is the one that's really tempted me i haven't seen it but it looks like i would like it i think you would absolutely love seaside hotel because it's just it's it's so it, it, it's not afraid to be funny and it's not afraid to be silly sometimes. Um, you know, it it, do, it does have the Agatha Christie kind of twist to it. All okay, everything on Walter's choice. If you are a mystery buff like me, like I feel like Walter, like must have been like, okay, so will anybody like this? Yes, okay, we are putting it on the air, like that kind of thing. Like I feel like every single show is somehow like directed at one of my like things that I love. Um, but. Even so, like it has kind of the romance thing. It has it, 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 it's much. It, um, this is gonna sound silly, but it's not as dark like visually. Like it's bright and happy. <laughs> and no, 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 this is a real thing though. Like so many. No, I do. Mm-hmm. I do. Like we have a very large television upstairs, and sometimes Greg and I have to like not watch something because there's too much sun in the windows, and like we literally like you can't like the screen is just black. Like you can't see anything. <laughs> And it's really like I I just thought it was because I was getting old, but nope. maybe it's like a production choice. No, it's a real production. This is um, Game of Thrones is the one that famously took it too far in their big battle scene, where literally it was just black. It was so bad. This kind of move towards like you know very um, realistic lighting and being very dark. I blame Wolf Hall for this. I mean- <laughs> Because honestly, that was such a dark show, and yet they managed to like, and and they managed to, they always managed to light the characters because the thing you have to see is the characters, and I feel like that got lost on people. Like I kind of, I kind of get it in the sense that like you know, Tudor England is is not going to have like overhead lighting, right. but also, but also I, you have to see my, your actors. True. My complaint with that trend is mostly that people seem to think that ha- that poorly lit is the same thing as frightening or morally like ambiguous like poorly lit is not a thematic choice that's just poorly lit seriously um, and, and anyway this has been my lighting rant for the moment anyway um so yeah like the thing about seaside hotel is that it is bright and it is happy and it is cheerful and it's just it's just a joy to look at like you just you have these big vistas of the sea and it's just wonderful and yes i highly recommend it <laughs> all right i don't know i need just i need somebody to come up with a thing that instead of having weird dreams like i had the other night i can just like pump a tv show into my brain while i'm sleeping that would just save me a lot of time <laughs> Um, I'm saying if like Elon Musk is out there, like you could maybe do better for humanity by doing that than whatever weird crap you're doing with inventing tunnels, trying to send yourself to Mars. But, um, I don't know if this episode actually turned out to be what, uh, wanted, but it's what you're getting. So thank you for emailing us and asking us questions and i hope this was at least somewhat helpful in answering them or 
alternatively letting you know that even people whose job it is to do this stuff sometimes get confused by the same things. I, I also um, am, am still amazed that she actually likes when I go into my ranty deep dives because I feel like I'm being, I, I feel like whenever Lacey lets me do that, she's just kind of like humoring me and like that's the part where everybody fast forwards. <laughs> oh, my teammate, my teammate Frank actually edited last week's episode for us and he really, he actually told me later and I didn't tell you that he really enjoyed, um, he really enjoyed whatever you were ranting about in the last episode we did. <laughs> He's like, I understand the industry I work in a little bit better. And I'm like, well, that's, wow, I guess, a tangential service that we provide. There you go. Um, all right. I think I think this ending has rambled to a natural stopping point. So tell the people where you are on the Internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. Um, you can find pictures of my fluffy, adorable cats at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Um, I am a staff writer at Elite Daily, and I also am a regular contributor to televisions.org. Um, and let's see, um, I'm also reviewing Loki, which is arriving on Disney Plus, probably right around the time you're listening to this, or maybe the day after. Anyway, um, so yeah, so you should definitely check that out. That's going to be over at NBC News Think. And uh, um, I, Tom Hiddleston forever. Yeah, that, that, that's all. Thanks. Bye. Uh, I feel like I'm one of the I mean I'm very excited for Loki and I really like Tom Hiddleston but I always pick Benedict Cumberbatch and like the Cumberbatch Hiddleston wars so I'm just like I don't know I don't he doesn't like mesmerize my brain like he does a lot of other people I know but I'm hoping the show is good Uh, I'm already in love with the little cartoon clock named Miss Minutes yeah I know I'm very excited about the fact that that little cartoon clock exists. Anyway, <laughs> rambling. I am Lacey MB, L-A-C-Y-M-B on Twitter. And I also write a lot here at Televisions and other places around the entertainment web. But I always tweet my bylines. So come and see what I'm talking about this week or just be my friend. If you just want the cat pictures, Baker and Hammer are on Instagram at Baker and Hammer. And if you heard any weird noises in this episode, it's because Baker Lou came into the room, somehow opened the door on his own while we were recording and I had to try to get him out without any of you noticing. So if you noticed, sorry, I sucked at it. Um, The show and the pod are, wait, the show is the pod. The site and the pod, that's what it is, are on social media at telly underscore visions on Twitter and television's blog, all one word on Facebook. If you would like to perhaps direct the future of shows that we bake send us an email at televisions at weta.org with something you would like us to talk about something you don't understand or something you think we're really wrong about because that does tend to get me in like a good ranting mood um we would love to hear from you and thank you again meanwhile for sending us a note uh we are at televisions.org and if you like what we do you can click on the donate button up top at the site to help us keep doing it and support public media at the same time that is our show for this week and I am going to it's literally about to storm outside my window like it looks like the end of the world so I will cut my usual blather at the end short to say just take care of each other thank you for listening and we'll see you next week <laughs>